And we welcome you into Berea on a Tuesday. Andrew Gribble, Jason Gibbs, John Greco joining us here in the Dog Bowl. Browns big winners over the Pittsburgh Steelers. The winning streak is at two. Don't look now, but here come the brown and orange at four and six on the season. And a date with the Miami Dolphins Sunday at First Energy Stadium. Uh, John, I'll start with you. You uh, you were a spectator for it. Gribble and I were in the press box. Uh, your takeaways from a wild, wild Thursday night win over the Steelers. You know, this is the uh, second and third game in a row where the opening script I was so impressed with because that's when you know you practice those plays all week. You know, it, you're well well in tune to how, you know, the looks that you're going to get on defense during the dress rehearsal, and then you come out and you stay on that script, and they spread the ball out, run pass, play action, hit a deep play, and they start out of the gates just firing. And I love to see that, and I think that's kind of the, the recipe that they had tried to be earlier in the year with, you know, wanting to receive after the coin toss and everything. So I think that jumping out early in these games and starting fast is, I know, it was something that every coach wants to do. And seeing them do that two weeks in a row has been impressive and, and just kind of a thing, um, you know, moving forward that you'd like to see is even though they're off script, just continue with that formula that, that what they've had success with um, throughout the game and, and weather the storm and, and stick to your plan and, and uh, move forward. Gribble, uh, you had a different vantage point right down the hallway from me. Uh, a wild night, uh, a night, though, that, that saw this team make some plays and play a little smash-mouth football, and we're not talking about the last eight seconds. We'll get to that, but uh, really a hard-fought and hard-earned win for this yeah, football Yeah, and, and I'll focus on the defense. It was really one of those games where – I mean, I, I don't want to knock Mason Rudolph, but it was just one of the, what you knew by the first quarter that if you got a couple scores in this team, it was going to be really hard for Pittsburgh to get two touchdowns. And basically, that's why, why the fear came in in the third quarter when you basically just gifted them a touchdown with all the penalties. You're like, you can't blow this game. Like, you just cannot let this team hang around like this. But then eventually, when you play at the level that Cleveland's defense was playing at, it's, it's almost like the dam breaks and then the turnovers start to come. I mean, it was, it was a long time coming for this group. They hadn't forced it. They hadn't got an interception since week four. They, they start picking off passes, and then they just start bringing relentless pressure on him. It seemed like that they had blitzed more in this game than they had in the previous few weeks, and it really got to Rudolph. That might have been a byproduct of trusting your secondary to guard these receivers who aren't very good for Pittsburgh after they lost their top guys. Uh, but there was just such an overall good – just – arguably the best effort we've seen from this Browns defense in a long time. And, and then for what happened at the end there to, to Mara, it was really a disservice because this was just, this was a Browns defense that was really clicking on all, all cylinders and playing at the level we thought it might have the capability of doing uh, back in training camp. John, uh, as a former player, how do you, how do you process what, what happened on Thursday night and, you got to move forward. There's six games still to play here in this football season. A lot of football left, and you've played yourself back into the playoff talk. Yeah, well, you have to process it fast. Um, you know, you can't sit around and try to make excuses and play the what if game because the fact of the matter is what happened happened, and the guys that you no longer have this week and, and moving forward, it's a done deal. You know, pending the uh, the appeal process. Um, but you know, with that being said. 
the Browns have to move forward and, and you know, carry business like, like they would if they had an injury or, or some, you know, losing a big player. So just stick to the formula, stick to the game plan, and, you know, maybe use it as a rallying cry uh, for the rest of the team. Just kind of, you know, what, what better way to show the guys support, you know, show Miles support than to go out and, you know, rip off a bunch of wins in a row and, and have his back in that way. Um, so, I, you know, you just have to process it quick and get back to work because you have a another team coming in Sunday that's that's hungry for a win and you can't have any let up. Well, John, I'll ask you this because it seems like you can't – this team can't beat Pittsburgh without a catch. And you were there in 2014 where you have this huge win <laughs> over the over the Steelers, but then you, you lose – you know you lost Alex Mack probably before the end of the game, I, I assume, yeah. right? I yep. mean, it just how – for you, was that? Could you maybe compare that feeling to probably what the Browns were feeling at the end of this one? Like how they maybe differ? What, what, from your perspective, what was that like? You know, it, it's it sucks because you, you lose a, a you know focal point of of your team, a leader, somebody that you rely on in critical situations to make a play. Uh, you know, it, it happens, and and there's a lot of teams that have have fought through that adversity in the past, and. You know, the worst thing you can do is just kind of hang your head and just throw in the towel, which I know they're not going to do. But as a player, it's it's you have that next man up mentality and kind of a circle of the wagons theme and, and kind of mindset to where you're going to say what's, what's done is done. We still have a job to do. There's still a lot in front of us. Let's not make any excuses at the end of the year and say, well, that's that's why this happened. This is why we weren't winning games. Just go out there and prove everyone wrong and say, hey, we have your back and we're going to continue to win games. Yeah, because I think that goes back to like why a lot of players after the game said it felt like a loss. It's because yeah. I think even though they didn't know that Miles was going to be suspended for the rest of the year, they knew it was going to be for a decent amount of time, and that's they just know how good he is. I mean, that's that's the key thing with – with Miles, they they knew walking out of that locker room that they were going to be missing their best defensive player for the for a long time, and and that's just what has hung over them. But then now coming into this week, you get that sense that they it's almost like they had victory Monday four days later. Yeah, I, I feel like sure. talking to the players on Monday, they felt like okay, we won this game and now we're in control of things with a schedule that they'll never say this, but it's a favorable schedule moving forward, starting with this Sunday against Miami. Yeah, so guys that need to step up. Uh, the pressure definitely falls on Chad Thomas, who quietly has had a, a pretty solid year and had a good game on Thursday night. Uh, Chris Smith going to be counted on quite a bit. Y- you take a look at some of these other guys. I mean, we're, we're hoping Vernon, there's a chance maybe Vernon could come back this week. But as Coach said yesterday, it's a day-to-day thing. But some of these young guys, uh, it's time It's time to get in and play. And Chris Smith has been playing well here the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and- I, I still think you're – once you get Vernon back and Ogunjobi back, I think you're fine yeah. on the defensive line. It, you clearly – you just can't replace Miles. I mean, he's a total wrecking ball. I mean, he drew two holding penalties in this last game, could, could easily have drawn more. He's not going to be replaced. But when you go with – when you lose Miles – you're, you're still have a pretty decent defensive line that can hold its own with linebackers that are playing better and, and hopefully a secondary that can that can hold its own. So I think there's going to be more pressure on Greedy and Denzel in these matchups moving forward. And then you just got to be a thankful outside of Baltimore, which is just playing out of its mind right now. You've got a schedule with not exactly the most fearsome offenses coming into Cleveland and, and where you're going. So you just got to be able to, to hold your own and hopefully the offense maybe can maybe carry you on the other side as well. On the offensive side of – actually, before we get to the offensive side of the football, there's one major injury that we haven't talked about, and, and that one being Morgan Burnett 
going down for the year. That secondary just has not uh, been able to get healthy, to stay healthy, and to be able to play multiple games intact. And, John, uh, I know it's next man up, but, you know, if, if you're the Browns defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, you got to be going, what, what's it going to take for some of these, you know, for that back end to just stay together for the rest of the year? Yeah, of course, and, you know, it's just one of those things is a lot of unlucky breaks, injuries happen, and, you know, I, I know, you know, Andrew talked about in his kind of opening take that, you know, you, you saw the Browns blitz a little bit more uh, than as of late, and they've had success with it. It's it's maybe confusing quarterbacks, so like we talked about, they're going to have some offenses that are coming in here that aren't, you know, the most intimidating, so I, I'm going to, you know, hope to see that that continues and, and try to keep quarterbacks off schedule, off rhythm, and uh, allow those guys that, you know, maybe there would be some new faces, some guys getting some more reps than they're accustomed to, you know, maybe take a little bit of load off their plate with throwing a little bit more design blitzes, pressures in, and, and hopefully forcing the ball out quick. That way guys aren't covering for, you know, five, six seconds and, and uh, you know, makes it a little bit easier on them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what you do roster-wise. I think you you imagine that you're waiting for this appeals process to shake out, decide whether or not you're going to have Larry or not this week, and then you have to make some moves with three spots to work with. Uh, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if someone like JT Hassel is, is called up, and, and I think that there's a reason behind that. He knows the Wilkes defense. You can kind of plug him in. Uh, it's why they went back and got Burris off waivers. It's why they've moved up Robert Jackson. I think there's a, a familiarity with the secondary that's important. Uh, so he'd be someone I'd keep an eye on, but I think you're you're all right with with Randall and, and Burris back there. But it's just it's a tough blow because we talked so much in the preseason about this three safety look, and two of those three guys aren't on the team anymore, yeah. essentially, because Morgan Burnett's injured on injured reserve, Jermaine Whitehead's not here anymore. So you're just left with Demarius Randall back there, and you know it's unfortunate, but you know, that's the nature of this game. I mean, that's why I, it's funny we we spend a lot of training camp writing about guys that are like the fifty the 50th through the 75th guys on the roster in the preseason. And by the end of the preseason, you're like, why do we read about all these guys just got cut or like are on practice squad? But then they ultimately end up coming back. I mean, look at like Steven Carlson catching a touchdown this week. I mean, these are the guys that kind of stay in that limbo area where you're going to need them at some point in the season. Uh, and, and they're really proven that. And I imagine of those three roster moves, it wouldn't surprise me if, if maybe two of them are coming from the practice squad. On the offensive side of the football. Now we'll go to the offensive side of the football. And, John, as a former offensive lineman, it's got to be something to watch when you have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the backfield. Hunt making the most of his carries or even catches out of the backfield. Um, It's not a large amount, and I think maybe the quick turnaround had a lot to do with that. But when he has the ball in his hands, he makes plays, and you know what you get with Nick Chubb every time. The first player in the NFL this year to 1,000 yards and just continues to rack up uh, a Pro Bowl-type year. Yeah, and you know, credit uh, Freddie and the offensive staff and, and the players um, because you know when you add a talent like that to an already big mix of talent and guys that you're, you're thinking every week, you're like, i got to get this guy the ball because he's a playmaker. i got to get this guy the ball because he's a playmaker. It's a great problem to have when you have a lot of talent surrounding you. But, you know, how do you incorporate uh, Kareem Hunt with, you know, without taking valuable carries and, and beneficial carries away from Nick Chubb? And I thought that I thought for the most part they've done a great job at it. You're finding ways to get him touches, whether it's, you know, direct hands, 
uh, you know, handoffs or pitches or swing routes, screens, you know, so they're getting creative trying to find ways for him to get the ball in his hands. And I think it's, I think it's really caught defenses off guard because you don't know where when they're, they're in that pony formation and you have both the guys in the backfield motioning. You don't know if it's going to be a direct handoff. Do you soften up? Are they going to hit you right in the middle? Or are you going to throw a swing and get Kareem Hunt with the ball in space? So it's, it's a great luxury to have all that talent, but I think they've uh, done a great job handling, uh, you know, spreading it out. On the offensive line, what have you seen here in the last couple of weeks, especially with Wyatt Teller in at right guard? I think they've they've kind of just found a way to, you know, really, I don't want to say calm down, but kind of build a little chemistry as time's gone on. And, you know, when you're shuffling guys in and out, there's there's guys missing games, being, you know, benched or held out and, you know, trying to send messages, whatever, um, you know, shakeups at different positions. It, it's tough, and I know it, it creates – you know, issues behind the scenes because those guys are trying to learn to work together to get a job done, you know, in short amount of time. But, you know, credit them because they've been giving Baker some time. And, you know, credit him because you see him making throws where he's getting hit high and low at the same time and, and really dropping dimes in there. So it's it's been a thing where it, it just seems like everybody on offense is trying to do a little bit more for one another. They're trying to do their job a little bit better to help the guy next to him. And you're really starting to see that show up on tape quarterback play he mentioned a little bit but Baker's strung together some pretty good games here over the last yeah his last four games have been really solid and I I include the Patriots game in there because if you take away that that little flip pass that went for interception he doesn't have any interceptions his last four games and when you look at it when you zoom out a little bit five of his last six games have been against five of the top 10 defenses in the NFL you go back to San Francisco uh, Seattle is not in the top 10. They've, they've struggled on defense. But then Pittsburgh, uh, Buffalo, uh, Denver, New England, they're all top 10 defenses, especially against the pass. And he's, he's held his own. The numbers aren't as gaudy as they were last year, but he's, he, he's making more right decisions than wrong decisions. And it's just the offense has just flowed a little bit better. Now, if, if the red zone issues were better this, this, this past game against Pittsburgh than they were, I, I liked what they did to get Jarvis Landry wide open on that that touch on I think the Browns are getting a little too predictable in the red zone and that was something that that clearly the Steelers did not see coming uh it's just it's it's more of the Baker from last year and I I think the numbers the QB rating over the last four games is very close to what he finished at last year and the interceptions are 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 down I still think he's never going to be a guy that only throws a few interceptions per year he takes risks but uh, you know, I, I think that this is the quarterback that people thought they'd see all year, and it just took a little bit to get going this year. All right, so it's a, it's a two-game winning streak. I, I think more importantly, you're 2-0 and in the division, and there's a lot of football left to play. We've been saying it. I feel like we've been saying it for months uh, because this season at times has definitely gotten stuck in the mud, but – there's a lot of football left, and it starts Sunday against a, a Miami Dolphins team, Gribs, that came out of the gate here, two wins in their last three weeks, uh, took one on the chin to uh, to Buffalo last week at home, but th- there's not a lot there, and this is a very, very winnable game for this Cleveland Browns team and an opportunity maybe to open up this offense even more. Yeah, I think that they've – They've finally got their footing, I think, the Dolphins, that is. I mean, I think that they were still going through the beginning of the year. They knew Minka Fitzpatrick was going to get traded. They had all the the, the turnover. Larry Tunsil gets traded right before the season. I mean, they were a mess to start the season, and then 
they had Josh Rosen, who just wasn't very good. And now they've got Fitzpatrick, who everyone knows what he is, but he knows how to win games and knows how to keep them in these games. They've lost a couple key players to injuries and, and uh, booting a guy off the team. Mark Walton was a, a solid running back for them before the suspension and ultimately got kicked off the team today. Uh, and then they lost Preston Williams, or wide receiver, who's a really good rookie uh, that w- that starred in that victory over the Jets. So they don't have a lot of talent. I mean, that's by design, I, I think, that with what they're planning yeah. on doing. But it's like, th- but they are they they're clearly showing to be well coached. And I think that Brian Flores has done a really good job with what he's had so far. But you know, if if we if we if you want to talk about playoffs, I mean, this is a game you you should win and and win without drama. I mean, that this is the the game that gets you back to the rematch with Pittsburgh, uh, and then can can launch you forward to to playing some games that matter in December. Well, and I think without drama is the key phrase yes. there. Yeah. Like that, this should be a go out and similar to what happened last year when you played Cincinnati in that final game. You know you're going out there to win. You know you're going to win, and then you go out there and you take care of business. And but even that Buffalo team that I didn't think could score 37 points if you played two games at First Energy Stadium last week, I they scored 37 points on Miami, but they didn't. They they couldn't really put the Dolphins away. So this is an, this at four and six, the Browns aren't good enough to to think they can go in and just show up. Correct, especially with what happened last week. I mean, you just have to play the way you have these last two weeks if you do that then then you should be fine but the 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 you're still a four and six team that needs to prove itself week every week here uh for miami them making moves in season trading guys away i mean whatever happened here (laughs) with everything that was going on here moves were made but it wasn't while we were in season yeah. If I recall, there there weren't moves. I can only imagine what that's doing to that locker room week in and week out. Well, yeah, especially early when you lose, you know, your left tackle, you lose, you know, arguably your best defensive player. And, uh, you know, it's like what message is being sent down from upstairs? And it's it's kind of, you know, discouraging when you're in that locker room because you're, you know, you're thinking, well, hey, I'm here now. And, and I know they're building for the future and trying to do different things, but like, where does that leave me? Like, am I a part of that solution or am I a part of the problem? You know, so that, you know, guys have that mindset. That's why you see you talked about the well coached team. Even though that might be the message for everyone else outside of that locker room, those guys are playing still. So w- whether they have the more talented team or not, you're still going to get their best crack. And like we said, you know, drama free. That means the mistake-free, you know, don't turn the ball over. If you have chances to score in the red zone, do it. You know, if your opponent's in the red zone, give up a you know, three or get a turnover. Don't let them in the end zone. So if, they, if the Browns could play smart football like that and just, you know, go out there and take care of business, they should be fine. Brian Flores is a guy that he inherits the situation that he stepped into, but just one of those Belichick disciples that you go – he might change the narrative on the Belichick disciples. I, I, I like what I've seen from him with what he's had to work with in the adversity that they've had to go through. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, he's clearly like a culture-changing kind of guy, and it's it's crazy because he was calling plays defensively last year for them, but he wasn't even called the defensive coordinator. So of all these disciples, by title, he's the least accomplished before leaving the Belichick tree. But it, I, this is this is one of those things where it's 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 easy, it's may, it might be easy to get a couple wins with 
uh, with no ex- with zero expectations, almost negative expectations. I think he's messing up the plan right now because there's. I don't think they anticipated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they anticipated that there being this many bad teams in the NFL. I mean, there's a few teams that are just terrible, and uh, they even now have the Redskins ahead of them for a yeah. draft pick that they that they lost to. Uh, so he, I, it, it's one of those things where I have a. I, I'm reluctant to compare him to some of these other disciples because. He has, doesn't have expectations yet. Matt Patricia is on the hot seat in Detroit because they expect to be a playoff team. And he's winning some games, but he's not winning enough games. And, yeah. and I think that McDaniels in Denver, he had expectations to go there and win, and it just didn't work out. So I think what he's doing now is good. Let me just see what happens when they start getting the, the pieces in from all these these players they've given up. I agree. I mean, you know, all these teams that are start this rebuild and, and fire coaches and hire new ones, you know, the common theme is we want a culture change. And we just talked about it. And let's see what happens. I think I agree with you and, and that the body of work isn't there, the total body of work that you need to see to, to kind of give them an accurate and fair assessment. You know, yeah, I, I think, uh, like I said, I think it's I'm impressed with how they've handled some of their adversity in, in a locker room that could have been, you know, completely toxic and just said, hey, if he this guy wants out, I want out. And just you should you could have seen all these guys jump and ship. But you know, credit them, and you know they weathered the storm. They stuck it out, and they're you know they're managing to be in most of these games, some of these games. And uh, like I said, those guys haven't quit. Fitzpatrick, what what does he bring to the table? It's a guy that I know you've gone up against a few times here in, in your career. Um, not necessarily offense, defense, but you've watched him play. Uh, here's a guy; he's a journeyman, but found a second second life essentially in the National Football League and has made the most of it. Yeah, you know, you see a guy that that obviously has a ton of experience. So right off the bat, I think experience sometimes, you know, guys in the locker room will look at him and just he's automatically a leader, somebody that guys look up to just because he's been around for so long. He's He's got the plays, he's got the wins. Um, but, you know, as, as far as a player, you know, a lot of people talk about some of the Fitzmagic, some of the things he's, he's able to do out there. And I think it goes back to, you know, we talk about Baker taking risks. I think he does the same. You know, he, he wants to throw in those tight windows. He wants to make the big play. And with that, you know, comes some interceptions and some incompletes. But, you know, he has the ability to sling it. And if guys are open, he has the ability to put it on them. So he's a very dangerous guy when he's, in, when he's out there. And he can win you games, but at the same time, with that aggressiveness, with, with the um, with the risk taken, he can lose them too. So you just hope to see him go out and try to force him into making a bad decision and throwing a couple to uh, to the Browns. He's won games in the stadium. Yes, with some he different has. jerseys yeah. uh, on, and I think he's won games. Even I think those couple with the Jets, those were games that the Browns thought they might be able to win going into those. I mean, they, that was were during the the dark times, but it was those were those were looked at as as games that these were ones that you could potentially sneak away with. And he, he's never really been that flashy, but he always makes a big play or, or two when he's needed to against the Browns. I remember, was it a couple years ago when he threw it to that, like a 40-yard pass to that no-name tight end? I forget what – I can't remember, I remember what that game was. I, I think do. it was during the 16 uh, season or maybe even the 17 season. It's just – he's just been enough of a thorn in the side for teams here where you just have to be disciplined and you can't – you can't have uh, that series like you did against Pittsburgh where you were just giving up chunks of yards on penalties and where the Steelers were basically resorting just throwing it deep and hoping to draw pass interference. Just don't fall into the trap and, and just play sound football and you'll be fine. 
Yeah, don't gift them anything. And, you know, I think a big thing, too, is get on him early. Get in his head early. Don't let him get his confidence rolling because if he makes a big connection early, throws like a 40- or 50-yard pass, and, and they have a lot of action earlier, he's going to start, you know, really having that confidence. That, and then I think that's when you see his game go to the next level. But if we, they can get in his head early, hit him a few times, maybe throw an, get an early interception or, you know, just just cause him to give him some fits, uh, you know, be around him, be all over him, be in the passing lanes, tip some passes, you know, anything to get him off his rhythm and game, I think he'll be uh, shaking up a little bit. Gribble mentioned it earlier, John, and just – it's week, it's week eleven in the football season, and it's one of those where guys, you know, it's November. You're starting to get later in the football season. You'd like to say you're still as dialed up as you were back in August in training camp and getting ready. You got a team like Miami coming in. Um, you know you're going to play Cincinnati. You know you have another date with Pittsburgh, who you've already beaten. You have a lot of winnable games. Is it easy to wander mentally in, in, at this time of year, or is the fact that they're four and six right now still, you know, they're able to stay dialed in? What's the difficult challenge there? Well, I, I think I think it's going to be a little bit easier for them to stay dialed in, given all of the things that are going on around them currently. I think that they're just kind of hitting the reset button and say, "Hey, let's just go out and get a win this Sunday and worry about." the next weeks as they come. And that's kind of what you do this part of the year. It's a lot more mental. It's a little bit less physical. You know, it gets darker earlier outside. Your just body just feels beat up, tired. So those guys are doing more mentally at home, watching tape on their own because, you know, coaches start letting them go a little bit earlier so they can get off their feet, get, get in the hot and the cold tubs, and kind of get their legs back because that's what's most important. Really, this time of year, whoever's the most healthy team and mentally sharp usually wins the game. So that's kind of a thing. But, you know, moving forward, if, if I'm in the locker room, I'm looking one game at a time. I'm looking – if I'm an offensive lineman, I'm looking at what defensive tackle I'm facing, what are his tendencies, does this team blitz, does this team pressure, what do they do on third down. It's this finer kind of um, details in the game that, that you need to be that much sharper on as the season goes on. I like that it's a Jarvis Landry revenge game. That helps me with the offense because I think the defense has That's no choice. Point. Defense has no choice but to be locked in. It'd be the offense that I'd be uh, worried maybe about that they finally, after this gauntlet of defenses they're facing, they look at the Dolphins and are like, all right, we're finally facing one of the worst defenses in the league. Let's go out and just waltz our way to 38 points. That's the That would be my concern from the mental aspect, but that's why I hope that, that Jarvis has those guys extra locked in this week for this one. Final thoughts before I let you all go on a Tuesday. We're back with you uh, on Thursday, getting you ready for Browns-Dolphins, 1 o'clock at First Energy Stadium on Sunday. Make sure you log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe today to the best podcast available. You can also watch us on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash browns for Andrew Gribble. I want to thank John Greco for his time. I'm Jason Gibbs. This has been the best podcast available.